Welcome to the Wood Podcast, where we explore solutions to some of the world's most critical challenges in energy and the built environment. I'm your host, Lauren Gallagher. The recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC report, suggested that immediate and large-scale reductions in greenhouse gas emissions are necessary to limit global warming. And of course, following the commitments made at COP26 in Glasgow, the world is increasingly focused on the race to advance adaptation and resilience. In our first two sustainability-focused episodes, we explored the background and the ambitions being set by organizations across the public and private sector to build a more resilient world. But ambitions are no longer enough to satisfy shareholders, voters, or indeed future generations. And it's time for action. Today's experts will discuss practical steps, tools, and frameworks to help organizations make critical decisions and smart investments in the infrastructure necessary to respond and mitigate the effects of climate shocks. I'd like to introduce Jonas Roberts, who is a climate impacts consultant and operations manager for Wood's digital environment team. Jonas focuses on quantifying the physical risks of climate change and severe weather on assets and operations around the world. Jonas joins us from St. John's, Canada. We're also joined today by Payal Tadani, who is part of the Climate Resilience Team. Working on a number of exciting projects, such as ADAPT, Resilience Realized, and the Race to Resilience, she's collaborating with organizations to deliver a shift in the way clients, businesses, and projects perceive resilience. Payal is based in Birmingham. And I'm also delighted to welcome back Peter Hall, Wood's Vice President and Global Director for Sustainable and Resilient Infrastructure. Helping lead the charge to a resilient world, he drives initiatives and partnerships to accelerate energy transition, manage climate impacts, and promote responsible investment. Peter is based in Portland, Maine. Thank you all for joining. So Jonas, let's start with you. What is the IPCC report helping us realize And what does it mean for organizations and city planners? The challenge we're facing is absolutely enormous. Uh, The latest IPCC report tells us that we're effectively locked in uh, to at least 30 years of climate change, regardless of how close we get to achieving our greenhouse gas targets. And we need to adapt to those changes. You can watch the news just about any day of the week and and see a taste of what we'll be facing in, in the coming years and decades. I mean, we have floods in Europe. We have extreme heat and drought and forest fires in North America and increasingly intense storms all around the world. And what's more, you know, the critical infrastructure that society requires is is going to create an estimated $90 trillion global marketplace by 2030. That's only nine years away. But there's still a a huge funding gap required to get us over the line into resilient territory. And that's on the order of 15 trillion. Yeah. And and Jonas, to add what you're saying about the funding gap, um, you know, at Wood, what we're seeing is it's so important for our clients or for anyone building infrastructure, they have to have a, a, a program, they have to have a platform and a framework to integrate resilience into what they do. So for example, at Wood, you know, we've developed, a, you know, an adapt for resilience uh, process system where we literally look at vulnerabilities. Jonas just mentioned the climate uh, impacts that are here to stay, working that in infrastructure because what we build has to last for 20 or 30 years. But then going beyond that, what do we build and more importantly, how do we build assets that then transform people 
in organizations because they last longer. And this gets into a, a huge theme now, the overlap between social uh, impacts, ESG, and projects. So a, a lot of what we're doing with our framework is linking projects to outputs, how they benefit society, how they can impact people's lives, how they can provide reliable critical infrastructure, which is so important right now. And that's what we've done with ADAPT. So ADAPT is this roadmap that we've created at Wood, and it allows clients to plan for future resiliency in their existing assets when designing new projects. So ADAPT is really three key steps. It's the analysis of data used to protect assets and then transform the entire system. So it's a structured process. And in the initial steps, you will need to step back and first consider how a project will contribute to the lives of the communities that it serves. Clients and companies must collect the correct data to analyze the vulnerabilities in the system. And then using this information, clients can focus on the design and how to build in resiliency, adaptability, and mitigation to cope with our changing world. So this entire exercise in asset protection will increase reliability of assets and decrease future disruptions, enabling delivery of projects with enhanced outcomes and improved livelihoods. And in order to transform the organization, the final step of ADAPT needs to be implemented, which is transform. It involves aligning the project with the client's overarching sustainability goals for the stakeholders and the organization, as well as the investors. That's all really interesting, Pao. Do you have an example of that in practice? Sometimes a client may not have already done a vulnerability assessment or they don't know what the next step should be, um, and they may not have a clear ESG, ESG strategy. Um, but one of the examples that we've worked with is uh, a restoration project at a creek in Florida. And as part of this, we provided a restoration plan to reduce flooding and um, create a self-sustaining ecosystem in an urban environment. We helped the client achieve a very environmentally friendly and sustainable design through 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 providing recreational opportunities along the creek with green spaces, playgrounds, pathways, as well as doing the flood mitigation. And this is a project that's been underway for three years now. So in, during this project, by uh, using our ADAPT framework, it m enabled us to retroactively trace the process from analysis of the vulnerabilities in the system. Then we did the planning and the design of green infrastructure solutions to protect the asset. And we're now in the construction and delivery phase of the project, which when it will be complete, um, it will transform the community as well as pr prevent the area from suffering from flood damage in the future. So it was mentioned that ADAPT is based on the analysis of data to identify vulnerabilities and used to inform what can be done to protect and transform assets. But I'm wondering, how does it take uncertain events into account? It's worth pointing out that, that building resilient projects and, and integrating resilience is not a one and done process. It's an ever evolving response. I mean, predicting the future is a tricky business. So we need to take a risk-based approach. Like we can't simply adapt for the worst case scenarios. That would cost way too much. Um, we have to balance the, the costs and the benefits of, of different adaptation measures and strategies. And this is going to be different depending on you know, each situation, each client, and each project. And this, and this is all to say that working with a process like ADAPT needs to be embedded 
uh, not just when you know developing new infrastructure, but throughout an organization's whole approach to resilience and, and across project lifestyles. And, and to add to what Jonas just said, um, it is it is difficult, and and it's 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 not an exact science. So one of the things we're doing with Adapt is we're starting and plan to collect a lot of information on what what good projects look like, what's what successful projects are, so that across the market in our sectors we we can uh, scale out best practices and really learn from learn from infrastructure that's worked well to create a better world in that way too. So what can companies or cities do to access the finance needed to bridge this $15 trillion funding gap, or even convince the boardroom and shareholders that the projects we're bringing forward will achieve ambitions? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Lauren. And we are seeing there's a big gap between the money, the funding that's needed to build these projects and, and connecting those to the pipeline of projects that have to be built. So one of the things we've developed with our partners is something called the resilience lens, which is really a screen that can measure uh, and quantify how resilient a project is. And so what we've done is, and it's very similar to the ADAPT process that, process that Payal talked about, is it's a, it's a digital tool. It's a web-based platform that walks you through any project all the way from initial planning and vulnerability analysis through getting that project into, into construction and how it's maintained and operated over its lifespan. And it ranks how well a project does that if they've incorporated key things in that project. And then we measure how well a project does in those areas. Probably most importantly is it also looks at how a project can can create co-benefits. So how a project and what it does and the services it provides can provide uh, benefits to the community and to people. And also making sure that project doesn't generate negative consequences or negative impacts when it's being built. So it's really a tool that we're using to help uh, you know create new urban resilience funds. Peter, can you provide an example of how resilience lens is being used? So a couple examples, um, the funds being used, uh, we created the, the, the screen with the Rockefeller Foundation and Meridium Investments is using it now to develop, uh, generate a pipeline of projects that they want to invest in with a, uh, an urban resilience fund. And we're also using the screen, starting to talk to Aon Insurance and how we can use this screen to develop uh, more insurable assets for them. So projects that you build are less likely to fail they can provide reliable performance over its lifespan and probably most importantly can deliver, you know, measurable benefits to, uh, to people and communities. Yeah. And Peter, I think, you know, what you said about scoping is important because, you know, we're, I think we, as a society, we finally reached this, this critical mass of, uh, you know, companies and governments and, and people that are, that are on board with tackling this problem. But uh, the challenge is people don't really know where to start all the time. So that that's something really important that, that we often have to help people through and organizations through is, is figuring out where to start, you know, scoping out those initial steps and then, you know, accompanying them on that journey. Thanks, Jonas. And that's a great point, because as of this year, the government requires companies to publish their TCFD analysis and the resilience lens is a tool that they can use in order to get the their ESGs and do a TCFD uh, analysis and complete all of those prerequisites in order to meet these new criteria.
we've talked about how ADAPT helps organizations understand the journey they need to take. And a digital screening tool like Resilience Lens that helps measure infrastructure projects and unlock finance by demonstrating the resilience return on investment. It feels like we have the building blocks for a long-term strategic approach providing the transformation needed. But what will it take to realize the value of these tools? Yeah, it's a great question again, Lauren. And and what we're seeing, you know, you can have tools and systems, but until they're applied consistently and across the range of sectors, um, you don't get the results you, you really we all need really across across the world. So a lot of it is getting uh, organizations to think differently. So it's getting it's getting clients or asset owners who are building these assets to request or understand that this needs to be in their projects. It's getting uh, engineering and consulting firms like like Wood to build those projects and understand and, and have these frameworks within our own organization. So we're delivering uh, those kind of results. So over time, they'll become sort of standard standard practice and not, not viewed as something that's an add-on or, or an extra uh, requirement. Peter, just to build on what you're saying, you know, taking advantage of new technology and, and digital solutions is also going to be uh, a key part of this journey. Um, and it's not just early stage planning tools, you know, for strategic decision making. Organizations everywhere are feeling the effects of severe weather today. Um, you know, and this is this is why we developed uh, Decision View Harsh Environment, for example. Um, you know, by by building on um, you know our understanding of severe weather, uh, we created an advanced AI-based um, risk dashboard that transforms you know complex model data and observational data in, into something that people can actually use that they can base their decisions on. It's um, you know it can be set up specifically for customers. Um, you know, specific sensitivities and thresholds, and they can see at a glance what risk this, you know, these, evol these evolving weather systems pose uh, to their assets and operations. And, you know, it's a type of thing that provides real-time resilience. Um, it's an important part of that continuous adaptation and, and integration of resilience um, into day-to-day -day operations that I mentioned earlier. Ted, what Jonas just said, you know, a big part of resilience is going to be the the correct application of digital tools, and then measuring results, and then scaling those those successes out to other sectors. So Jonas mentioned some tools that those would fall into the um, analyze data part of ADAPT, the vulnerability part, which is really important. And there's a lot of other tools that we're using and other tools that are available, uh, you know, more widely when we build those assets and then we measure performance. In the application of those tools, in working with big companies like Google and Microsoft, which we're which we're partnered with, to leverage the right tools at the right time, it's going to be a really big uh, part of the overall solution. Thanks for all your time and insight today. I have one last question: Do you believe our world is truly on the path to achieving resiliency? We're absolutely going to struggle. But we're also going to achieve resiliency, and you know, it, a lot of what we discuss here today is part of the part of the answer to, to how we address those struggles. Yeah, we can already see there are a lot of different initiatives that are running. Um, the Race to Resilience is one of them. That is a global campaign where we are trying to get partners and members in the form of countries, cities, regions, financial institutions, and obviously businesses, um, all committed to this one goal of making um, 4 billion people in the world more resilient, more resilient by 2030. So there are already 
initiatives like this underway and this is this is something that is going to take a collaborative effort from people all around the world um governments as well as private private um businesses so it is achievable but it is going to be difficult and to add what Powell just said, you know, I think as we're hearing, this really is in a lot of ways our one chance to build back better. I mean, a lot of the what we build has to last for 20 or 30 years, so we have to get it right. To add to what Payal said, and it doesn't get talked about enough, is the infrastructure we have to build. It's not just in the uh, it's not just in the uh, developed world. It's also in emerging countries. When you look at climate risks over the next 10, 20 years. A lot of the countries that are going to face those impacts in Africa, global south, parts of Asia, and and also need critical infrastructure. We as a global community have to get those projects funded and built in the right way to really create the shift needed for everyone. And that brings us to the close of this episode of Enabling a Sustainable World, where we discussed practical steps tools, and frameworks to help organizations make critical decisions and smart investments in the infrastructure necessary to respond and mitigate the effects of climate shocks. If you'd like to connect with today's guests or explore related insights, please visit us at woodplc.com podcast, where you can also subscribe and receive updates to the Wood podcast. At Wood, our curiosity keeps us pushing, innovating, making the impossible, possible. Thank you for joining us today on this journey. Take care and be well.